0: Hello, listeners. I'm Chris Keogh, and you're listening to PwC's How to Empower podcast, the podcast that offers practical advice on how you can empower yourself and others to take action and drive change for a more inclusive workplace. On the 5th of March 2020, we held a Leap event to mark International Women's Day on the theme of resilience. It was one of the last events to take place in a PwC office before the lockdown started, and a very new way life began for the UK and the globe. We wanted to bring back our speakers to pick up on the theme of resilience, share their learnings from lockdown and how life has changed for them since we last spoke. So I'm delighted again to be joined by Cecil Ajalo, Director of Operations at Foundervine, Vine, uh, Shamala Kailassam, owner of Pansurfer Associates, and unfortunately, Grace Spence Green of King's College London Medical Student cannot be with us today. So we spent a fantastic morning listening to all of them share their stories and experiences on the topic of resilience. And look, thank you both so much for being with me did again. Uh, hello to all of you. Um, Shamala, if we can start with you. As a mother of twins, one of whom is deaf, can you give us a brief overview of how you've had to adapt and be resilient since March? Hi, Chris.
1: Um, it's lovely to be talking to you. Um, well, it it was a bit of a, um, I guess, a bit of a shock um, to the system. As you said, one of my daughters is deaf and um, she was due to have a hearing test appointment to adjust her hearing aids uh, the week after lockdown. And of course that was cancelled. Um, wow. And at the time um, as well, so she's uh, only 18 months now and she was just over a year back then. And, and as such, she her ears um, I don't know whether it's in the jeans, but her ears were growing quite fast. So the, the bit of the hearing aid that sits in the middle of the ear that sort of holds it in was getting loose. And um, we were hoping that we could get new ones made. And they have to um, create an impression um, and then send them off to a lab. And then from that, they, they send back a little um, uh, plastic ear mould that sits inside the ear. Um, so that was now it was now falling out of her ears. So we were now using all the tricks that we could get hold of from the audiologist about how to keep her hearing aids in. So um, that was, I mean, that was a bit of a challenge, Um, but the biggest challenge for us really was that um, suddenly all my support in looking after them had disappeared. So my mum had been our main support and we'd also just trained up a childminder to help out because my work had suddenly started to build itself up. So that was all good. So I was looking forward to getting back into the swing of things with work. Um, The work dried up, lockdown, because of lockdown, and we had to let go our childminder. And of course my mum, who's in her 70s, was um, also not allowed to to help. So I was now looking after growing babies completely by myself and all of my income had dried up. and at the same point, my other half—he's a plumber, a maintenance engineer. Um, we didn't really know what was going to happen with his job, so we spent a couple of weeks really quite worried, um, not sure whether he was going to be furloughed um, or whether he'd have a job. Um, and mm. actually, what what had happened? What happened in the end was that um, he was uh, his company was so um, inundated with extra maintenance for essential services like post offices, supermarkets, hospitals, um, that he ended up working overtime uh, from the beginning of lockdown, all the way, I would say, up until um, the beginning of September. So he was really not available to help with the babies very much. Um, And of course he couldn't say no to the work because my income had completely dried up. So we were grateful for the additional income from him. So it was tough, but considering what was going on in the world, at the time and the stories that I was hearing from friends and family who worked on the front line. Um, I, I considered myself lucky that I had two healthy babies um, and that Gus was coming home without a cough every day. Um, and my mum, my dad and his parents and our, all of our family uh, all seemed healthy. Um, and we just took it day at a time at the beginning. Um, And as time went past, things seemed to form a new rhythm. So my my, um, day with the babies became a a new different schedule. So as we weren't allowed outside for very long, we then had different activities indoors. um, And I had to just be very um, imaginative um, and resourceful about how to keep two growing children in a two-bedroom flat happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can um, imagine that must be a, a fair challenge.
1: <laughs> yes, um, but, you know, we met it, and they they were just amazing. And I learned a lot um, from the way that they dealt with the change. They just kind of took it in their stride and mm. found new ways to amuse themselves um, to keep my mind off what was going on, really. So that was... I think at the, um, at the event in March, I talked about watching Star Trek as one of my guilty pleasures, and one of my resilience um, kind of factors was one of the things I used to do was to watch um, TV. Mm. And for me, that really helped me get through the anxiety of what was going on. And I can imagine that it did for a lot of people. Mm. Um, the other thing we did that was really important for both of us was to meditate Um, And I put that back into my daily routine and found as I as I was sleep training the babies and when I put them to bed, I had five to 10 minutes of meditating time every day, which was incredibly important um, to keep me Mm. from going into spirals of worry.
0: So, so uh, I have a number of questions, just quickly. First of all, it has to go to Star Trek. So, so who's your favourite captain, personally, Janeway for me. But I'm, you know, I'm keen to be challenged on that.
1: All controversial. <laughs> um, I, I think Jane um, oh, Janeway, Janeway is pretty good. Um, but the new Picard has become my new favourite.
0: Oh really? Haven't
1: seen. If you haven't seen that.
0: I've no, no. And, I will. We'll have to pick this up offline afterwards because I'm, I'm very, very keen. And and, and the meditations <laughs> you it was it was five to ten minutes. So so was that? Talk me through it because I'm 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 a complete noob for a lack of a better term when it comes to meditation. So so what what were you doing? What worked? Was it just blanking out everything for five to ten minutes a day? Was there a, a process that you went through?
1: So I have been meditating for a, a a long time, and I use a specific technique. So I use a mantra. Um, and okay. what I do when I, when I sit, so I sit and I make sure that my back is straight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which isn't always possible when I'm, I'm trying to stop a baby from climbing out of the, <laughs> sure. out of the um, yeah. a crib. But um, for the most part, try and keep the back straight, relax the body. And then I repeat the mantra in my head. Um, and a mantra can be anything, really. It, for, mine was given to me, so that's that's what I use. And it's just really a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but for other people, it could be a specific word. It could be a sound. It um, it doesn't need to be um, something that you repeat in your head. It could be something that you look at.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, it could be a name, it, whatever you need, really. And the idea is to focus your attention on whatever this is, your mantra, and let everything else in your head pass. Don't try to stop it. Don't try to judge it. If you lose track of the mantra and you're thinking about something, that's fine. Just keep coming back to it.
0: So, Cecil, it, it, it'd be great to, if I can move on to, to you now. Um, you spoke so movingly about your experiences growing up as a, as a black man, and the Black Lives Matter movement has become more prominent recently. How have you found life since we last spoke?
2: thanks chris and it's uh it's great to be on this podcast with yourself and and shamala and uh correction i grew up a black boy and then turned into a black man Mm -hmm. um and uh i think you know since lockdown has happened i've gone through a lot of the same experiences as everyone else um but also had to um you know cope with what's going on in america although it seems strange because america is so far away and mm-hmm. we're over here in Europe and you would think that these things, you know, may well, have li- little to do with us in the UK, but actually it's, it's all connected. Um, so uh, just like Sham and I, have a, I have a child, um, he's mm-hmm. a son, uh, he's about 15 months now and uh, we also stay in a two, two bed flat. So having to be restricted in that space during the lockdown um, was challenging. Mm-hmm. but we worked out a way of, um, you know, surviving and, and thriving whilst being indoors. Um, and, and both of us work from home as well. So looking after our son during that time was quite challenging, but some of the things that Shamila was mentioning around meditation and listening to audiobooks books are things that I involved myself in as well. And I know that so many parents, uh, know through lockdown have been going through the same issues and you know really really sympathize with every single one of them because everyone's situation um is different um coming on to black lives matter it's it's really been um a time where a lot of people have been able to process what's going on in the media but also sit down in their houses and think about the, the challenges that we face in society and many people thought that you know George Floyd's death was disgusting abhorrent um, and you know I don't think anyone would think it was a, is a good thing mm. um, but that that death wasn't really what people were protesting about um, they were protesting about um, a long history of uh, people from Black backgrounds, especially um, being subjugated to almost set, set second class citizenship. Um, you know, just around that time that George Floyd was killed, you had uh, Ahmad Arbery, who was shot um, whilst running, uh, going on a jog in a neighborhood by by two, two men that uh, used to be ex-law enforcement uh, because they thought he was suspicious. And. Wow. you know, if, if they thought he was suspicious, uh, is deaf, the right, is deaf, the right answer. Um, and you know, it happens to be because he was black. What is what people uh, were saying? Um, and also around that time you had, uh, Chris Cooper, who is a Harvard educated, um, uh, person, uh, in, in New York, who was in central park doing birdwatching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was, uh, You know, peacefully minding his business when uh, another lady, a a lady called Amy Cooper, came with her dog, uh, and that area specifically, that dogs were not allowed to be in that area. And so, Chris raised this up with her and said, "Your dog's not supposed to be here," and tried to get her to uh, leave with the dog. And she called the police, and uh, you know, sounded really distressed on on the call uh, to try and get the police to to come and she mentioned he's a black man he's harassing me and this was all caught on on video and i think that that thing made me feel really really um uneasy because um you know chris cooper's a highly educated person someone that's you know y- you can't see doing any wrong in society but it seems uh from that incident it doesn't matter you know what you what you are or what what your background is what you've learned you know, so long as you are black, that you can be, um, you know, harassed in in society um, Mm -hmm. and get the the police called upon you. Um, So these were things that happened. And they're just really the tip of the iceberg when we look at um, the the, the situation that goes on across the world, but I think is particularly obvious in America. Mm -hmm. And you know you you had the civil rights act of 1875 that should have sorted that out you had human rights in 1948 after world war ii that should have sorted that out and you also had uh, the civil rights movement um which was sparked by martin luther king but mm-hmm. still it seems as though um you know black life is not important in the world and i think that's why the black lives matter movement um is so, is so important, because no one has really said with any authority that black lives actually do matter. And a lot of people who are from my background know uh, history. We're, we're, all, we're almost all uh, specialist historians in, mm. uh, in some of these these topics around the history and the struggle. And we know certain things that people from other uh, backgrounds have no clue of. And we, we know that there is injustice, but sometimes we just keep quiet about it because we've been brought up in this environment. And sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're a fish in water, it's very hard to describe that water to other, to, 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 um, to other people that are not in water. Um, but the Black Lives Matter movement has uh, really enabled us to, uh, you know, take... Take George George Floyd's murder and use it for something positive, and start conversations with many uh, people, with many organisations, and, and help educate people that we still have a problem. Um, we're in, we're here in the UK, but the UK is not exempt from that problem. We still have many uh, examples of institutional racism, uh, and what I mean by institutional racism is, is that racism that is embedded in our society that often isn't intentional, but it's just come about uh, because of the way that society is constructed. And you've got a lot of black people that are, uh, that have a lot less wealth and um, less educated um, and, you know, less, less income. Uh, They happen to be on uh, the brunt end of a lot of uh, things that uh, go on in society. Uh, COVID-19 is a good example. A lot, Mm. a lot of, People from uh, Black and African backgrounds um, have perished as a result of um, COVID-19 at higher rates than other races because uh, a lot of them are working frontline jobs and have to expose themselves to the virus and they have no choice. They can't say, I'm going to sit at home and and work behind my computer. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they have to get out there and and work otherwise. They won't be able to pay certain bills and, and provide for their families and they have no choice. Um, So, you know, these these are things that I've been thinking a lot of uh, about during um, this lockdown period. And in a way, it's kind of taken my focus away from any issue or um, problem I have and more on, you know, how do how do we help people in society that have been made worse off? How do we help them recover? How do we help them uh, get back to normal life if, if there is Anything like that in in,
0: in the coming uh, months and years? No, and and I agree, uh, and I and I think, you know, coming from a personal perspective, and I'm sure if if Grace was able to join us today, she she would say the same thing. But I think lockdown's been able to give a lot of people a lot of time to, to really get a perspective on things, and you know, being disabled myself, uh, you know, seeing a lot of people complain that they they couldn't get to their favourite restaurant or they can't go get a haircut. Um, or you know they can't access their favourite places. Unfortunately, that's a reality for a lot of you know wheelchair users and, and disabled people. You know, for instance, there's how many restaurants in Central London have a have a huge step up, you know, or how many barbers, cafes, and you, know, you can the list is endless that you just can't access on, on a regular basis, whether there's lockdown or not. And, and I think this has been a real eye opener, hopefully, to a lot of people to say, well, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty awful, isn't it? Imagine having to face that on a on, on a regular basis uh, and i think the same for, for for a lot of you know um uh, ethnic you know diversities and and, and backgrounds and, and hopefully this has given people you know to your, to your point exactly Cecil, a lot of time to really sit back and really assess the situation and and and, and drive forward for, for change um, um Shaman, I'm, you know, do you think the meaning i guess and the emphasis behind the phrase being resilient has changed since March and, and and since we went into lockdown?
1: Uh, it's a really good question and I've given it a little bit of thought. Uh, I, I think it has. I think the world understands, the whole world understands the need to be resilient in a different way than it did, um, say, this time last year. Um, and I think that the the understanding that different people are dealing with this pandemic in different ways and have been affected in different ways has really impacted a lot of people I know. So uh, I've noticed that some people um, in order to be resilient are helping others um, uh-huh. to help their own resilience. They are uh, doing a lot of work at food banks they are doing deliveries for people I mean I don't know whether you remember but at the beginning of the lockdown period uh, the uh, we we had a um, a volunteer website that was put up and um, within I think I think I tried to volunteer I don't know when I thought I was going to have the time but I tried mm. to volunteer and it crashed mm. within um, a few minutes of being online and, and they That's had right. all of the volunteers they needed, and I think that um, I think across the world, people have been doing that kind of thing. And mm. just to come up on on something that Cecil has um, has been talking about around the Black Lives Matter campaign, I know a lot of people like myself that have been doing quite a bit of research um, around this issue. Uh, I think I explained to everyone on the fifth of March that um,
2: uh,
1: it had become a concern of mine that I had brought into the world to um, mixed race children and one of whom is also disabled so Mm -hmm. the particularly for Dara Lakshmi the disabled one her world is very different to mine Mm -hmm. and I want her to live in a world where she has all the opportunities possible Mm -hmm. and I am very I am I'm I'm very concerned about um what happens to many of my friends children so I and also I have um a family who her, who have black heritage. And um, in, that, in that grouping, a lot of them are young men. They were boys mm. and they are now young men. And their parents have had to sit them down and have the talk with them, which is a very different talk to most young teenagers would have from their parents. It's a quite scary talk about um, who they are in the world to other people and mm. how other people might be afraid of them. And how they have to be really careful when they meet um, law enforcement. And mm-hmm. listening to one of my um, one of my best friends is um, her family are uh, guide parents and kind of guide family to my children. And I have been involved in her life for a very long time. And listening to her talk about how she needs to keep her two young boys safe, who are now in their early twenties and and once in a teen. Um, and during all of the Black Lives Matter um, re-campaign, because remember, the Black Lives Matter campaign has been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, she, was, she was getting some solace from the fact that people who had never talked to her about these issues were coming to her and asking her, um, what was it like growing up in this country? And what was the, I, I'm going to use Cecil's analogy now, what was the water like? Um, and I've had conversations like that with people, real, real conversations for the first time, I think, um, probably in, since I, I've been an adult, a real conversation about what is it like? Is it really that bad? It's mm-hmm. often a question. And then when you give, them, give people examples of how different life is for somebody who's um, not white in this country, they're quite surprised. Um, and I think that this time has given everybody a real understanding of how to how to make all of us more resilient. And we can only all be resilient if all of us have got the same opportunities to be resilient. So if, you know, if the, your only option for work is being a care home worker or a cleaner or a plumber um, and you're also facing other kinds of uh, disadvantages, then how are you going to be able to put into your life the same kind of resilience regime that somebody who is sitting at their laptop working can? So a real understanding, I think, of um, what does that word really mean for a global Mm -hmm. population rather than just for, for individuals?
0: No, you, you, you raise a you raise a really really good point and, and thinking about that way is um, yeah I mean you, you, you're so spot on with, with how we should how we should be thinking about it um, Cecil I think inevitably there's been a lot of focus on the negatives these past months but I think what well, as uh, Shamler and yourself perhaps alluded to but what, what positives have, have you experienced?
2: yeah and I think you're right to, to ask that question. Chris, because many people are focused on the negative and mm. coronavirus is a really negative thing. And it's something that we couldn't have predicted and we couldn't really have stopped. I, I know many say that, you know, the governments could have stopped this, but it, w- it was actually inevitable the way that, you know, air travel uh, works these days and, and people are, you know, in in, in any part of the world, uh, almost instantaneously compared to uh, previously, um, so I think th- f- for me, I've seen and and spoke to a lot of people that um, have experienced a lot of positive things from uh, the, the pandemic. Uh, one of them is spending more time with loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, previously, a lot of people uh, you have to get up and, and go to work every single day uh, of the of of the week um, because Someone said that you have to be in work, and never really thought about whether they really need to be in work, or uh, or they could do that job from from home sometime, and then come to work for the rest of the time. And so, being in lockdown has meant, where possible, um, especially people that work in um, you know IT and, and 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 professions where you can telework, uh, they've been working at home, and many of them have. Uh, you know bonded with their children I for one have definitely bonded with my son um, who is now 15 months and I've been doing everything from changing his nappy to feeding him uh, to, to washing him and you know reading books with him mm-hmm. um, as you know as, as well as my my amazing wife who's been doing a lot more of that uh, than I have um, and you know we've really felt like a, a unit Um Uh, during this time and I know other people will be saying exactly uh, the same things. Um, But outside of family I think we've seen a digital revolution um, happen over this period. Um, I saw a funny cartoon the other day it said uh, which one of these has spurred your digital transformation and it had a chief information officer chief executive Executive officer or COVID-19 and the correct answer was COVID-19 and it's it's funny uh, because a a lot of these organizations that have transformed digitally could do it but they just didn't have the impetus and COVID-19 and the lockdown gave these organizations a real kick up the the backside. Uh, I
0: I think what, one, one I'd add for, for myself would be, I, I think, because, like you said, with the digital acceleration that's happened and, and how people have, have, have so well adapted to, to remote working is is the, is the talent pools that you can recruit from now are, are so vast um, and, and especially prominent for the disabled community as well. I have have lots of friends who have had, I've had recent injuries and have been trying to think about or you know have perhaps been a bit nervous about the, the process of returning to the workplace and the thought of you know I, I don't have to worry about is my train going to have a ramp uh, on time? Am I going to be able to get the bus? Uh, am I going to push in the rain? Am I going to turn up to meetings uh, drenched? Uh, you know all that's eliminated uh, by simply being able to to work from home and, and have a conversation with someone over over a video chat rather than. You know the the, the stress uh, stress and anxiety that that can you know be caused by a by a, you know having to either travel to the office or to, to a client meeting um so i i completely agree with you so so, so many positives and, and i think we're you know we, as always we never have enough time on these podcasts um so let, maybe if we begin, begin to wrap up and i'd love to ask you both and and, and shamal if we, if we start with you i mean how would you encourage people to build their resilience as we look towards hopefully uh, a new normal
1: well i think i think some of the points that Cecil's made are really important so um uh, the digital transformation is here to stay and we've got so many ways of reaching out to people in uh, different ways and one of the key things about resilience is to stay connected and one of the hardest things around um, the pandemic pandemic is physical connection is obviously not allowed um, and we may be having as we speak a new way of um locking down again uh, at least um in parts of england so we need to stay connected so i would encourage everybody to use the tools that they can through um this new digital age as we as we now have and to to get connected to as many people as they can even people outside of their circle lots of people i know are volunteering and they're not just volunteering to do physical things they're also volunteering to um to speak to people to speak to older people they're um offering other um services and i think that is a really great way to build your resilience um, it gives you a bigger community. And it also, um, crucially, from a, from a neuroscience point of view, it actually builds your internal resilience as well. So your mind loves it when you help somebody. Um, and we can see the new connections in your brain using MRI scans when that happens. So wow. helping others is an incredible way to build your resilience.
0: Amazing. I I work with a partner who, uh, right at the beginning of lockdown, where you had the the war for toilet paper, um, <laughs> dropped a, uh, a, a a letter through each one of his neighbours' uh, doors. He he uh, really uh, restocked on, on everything, had tons, you know, w- way too many supplies, and was offering, uh, you know, if anyone had, had had fallen short, that you know that he was ha- happy to, to to give them a a few rolls should they need. Um, and Imagine doing that and going in, going into you know starting your day of work. I mean, the, the, the uplift you must have, and that, that's so interesting. You can pick that up on an MRI. I'd would, I would love to, I'd love to see what it looks like afterwards. Uh, that'd be absolutely fantastic, um, Cecil. You know, how can we encourage people to build their resilience?
2: I think what Shamilaswet said was was spot on. Um, when you help people, um, that helps yourself. Um, I've, I've read a lot about the same thing, that um, helping people connects to a part in your brain that is uh, the reward center. And, you know, that that really does help. And you don't really realize it until you help other people yourselves. And with Founder Vine, we've been running virtual programs. And these are very tiring because they run in the evenings and on the weekends. And a lot of times we've just finished our day job and um, we... <laughs> We have to run these programs and we see that at the end of it, people are so grateful for having um, you know us teach them how to build a startup and take them through the process and allow them to pitch to judges. The, the way they express their gratitude instantly, it just gives you like a massive hit of, of something. And um, I can't explain it. I'm sure there's some scientists out there that are very good at, at doing doing that better but helping people really uh, boost yourself especially when you are isolated for so long or when you are you know so inwardly looking and focused um, it's really important that you never forget that. Um, Another thing that I wanted to also um, say was financially people have been kind of caught out by uh, this situation and one thing that I had been doing uh, prior to uh, COVID-19, and as always, you know, I was taught this by my dad: is you should always keep some form of financial reserve available so that you can weather uh, storms like this. And you know, I think many people have been living from hand to mouth, not because they had to, but just because they thought that there was no point in in saving when they can be enjoying and you you know it's this this situation is really highlighted that you can't control the world and the world will happen and the best thing you can do is prepare your response to it uh so making sure that you are saving enough to keep yourself uh, alive especially now we're seeing um companies will be stopping uh the furlough scheme as the government you know re- withdraws that support uh, we'll see a lot more people unemployed and, you know, looking looking for work, um, you know, those that have been able to save and are more stable will be at, at a good in a good position because they won't just take the the first job that uh, jumps at them. Uh, so that financial aspect, really, really important.
0: No, no, I, I completely agree, and I think the two key things there are, you know, you do, do 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 the best you can to try and look after your financial situation when we don't know what the, what the future, of the financial health of, everyone moving forward could look like, and also uh, you know build your resilience by by helping others. Um, I think that's a fantastic way to, to draw to what draws us to a close of another episode. Um, but this has been a fantastic conversation. And then thank you so much, Samira and, and Cecil, for, for your time today. Um, to you listeners, thank you for tuning in. And if you'd like to share your thoughts, please get in touch uh, on social media using our hashtag PwC underscore leap. And of course, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your, your typical podcasts uh, to keep up to date with future episodes. Um, and again, thanks, Shamila and, and, and Cecil. has been absolutely fantastic and uh, hope to see you next time.